Hello, and welcome to Kroll Security Concepts Podcast, the podcast where Kroll security experts discuss the more prevalent topics in today's risk environment. Hello, and welcome to this month's podcast. This one's going to be about an emerging trend that we're seeing, and that is private equity firms that are going out of their way to essentially understand the risk across their entire portfolio. Historically, we've seen them come to us when they have an issue at one of their companies and they need some assistance, but now we're actually seeing a big demand for private equity firms to have risk assessed across the entire portfolio, every company, and come back to them with with basically a vulnerability assessment and best practices and master plans for what they need to do to make sure they have security programs across all the companies that are commensurate with the level of risk and also really relevant to the actual business that they are running. So let's go ahead and get right into this conversation. Today's guest, we're going to have John Friedlander, who many of you know from previous podcasts. He works out of our Austin, Texas office and uh, is specialized in these assessments uh, done for some of the private equity firms. Welcome back to the podcast, John. Thanks, Jeff. It's great to be back. It's good to have you. Uh, we have a really interesting topic today and one that uh, I find particularly interesting because we're seeing a lot more of work from a particular type of client. And that type of client is really the private equity firms. They are coming to us at a much higher level than typical, looking for a risk assessment across their portfolios. They have these varied portfolios and they want to really better understand because of everything from COVID-19 to civil unrest and everything else that's happened in the world today, what their risk profiles are and make sure they don't have any liabilities because of disparate systems across all of their different uh, portfolio holdings. So, John, I know you've been working on a lot of these as I have high. You know, when we really talk about how you go about doing these kind of portfolio assessments, uh, what what are some of the issues that we have to tackle to make sure we're able to do this uh, in an efficient and successful manner? So it's very interesting with private equity clients. You know, the, the, the great news is, they are innately aware and informed of risk management principles. They get it. They get it as a strategy and as a practice, and they understand what it means to offset risk. The new component here, to my eye, is bringing in a security consultant to help manage risk exposures in independent or individual verticals. We have a private equity client that has exceptionally diverse holdings, as is common in this sector. They have retail, they have healthcare, construction, and other holdings. And each of these have unique risk exposures. And certainly, if we look at healthcare alone, the nature of the duty of care there is considerably different than other holdings in this client's portfolio. Our job is to create a standardized level of attention for them to be able to assess, manage, and mitigate individual risk exposures in their various verticals. And that's what makes it interesting when you're trying to do a, we'll call it an apples-to-apples comparison of risk and 
what they've actually implemented as countermeasures uh, between a medical clinic with all of their HIPAA requirements and everything that comes along with that to, you know, essentially someone that makes tires. Uh, you know, it, it's a very large difference when we're looking at what we're going to implement and what we want to actually assess. But when it really comes down to it, what they, the private equity firms, really want to know is where are our biggest risks and where do we need to actually perform some level of countermeasure work to make sure that we have a program across all of our portfolio that is commensurate with the risk that we face. And that's where it gets very interesting in some of these is that we have not seen historically, we have not seen a lot of the private equity firms bring us entire portfolios. What we're doing today is we largely look at a representative sampling of some of their portfolio companies. Uh, we go look at a few other facilities of each of the companies and kind of extrapolate from there on what their real issues are and what they need to do to protect themselves. Typically, historically, we've only gotten maybe a private equity firm might bring us one of their companies that they have particular risk at that they want us to look at. But now they really want to have a better understanding of their overall holdings wide risk level. And I think that makes a lot of sense. It makes them much better prepared to spend the money they need to to protect all of these entities but it also limits some of their liabilities if they have great discrepancies from one to the next. What it really comes down to is they open themselves up to some issues there. And when we're talking about the things that we are doing, uh, you know, besides just the assessments, we're also doing a lot of things like security master planning across the groups, standardization, uh, you know, just making sure there's some consistency. Uh, what are you seeing as the big ticket items that really uh, the private equity firms are looking for today in their security risk management work? It comes down to what the risk exposure is in the various holdings. Our practice is to apply the comprehensive nature of corporate security, corporate security standards and guidelines. And we can adapt those to the various verticals that we see. For instance, are there prevailing policies, procedures, and guidelines that inform the staff how to operate, whether that's from opening and closing to incident management to other prevailing concerns that might be based on legacy incidents or foreseeable concerns. We also uh, try to dovetail their individual efforts at various locations, making sure that whatever the individual vertical is, that we offer consistency in terms of what risk levels we're evaluating and what mitigating controls we're inserting so that at a corporate or ownership level, we don't have widely diverse standards and obligations that require different types of implementation, different types of management, different types of accountability. We want consistency, simplicity if possible, and that's in singular mitigating controls, the nature of incident management, but also equally, report, uh, equally importantly for us is that the individual companies that are held under the umbrella of private equity are able to report incidents or exposures so that they can be acted on at an executive level and acknowledged 
in the event of uh, future concerns relating to claims of negligence or active litigation, that um, there's a reporting structure and a response mechanism to help mitigate those exposures. Yeah, I like that. I have seen in the work that I've been doing with some of these uh, large holdings companies is is essentially we are able to bring to them what is their standard across all of the companies, whatever that may be. But we're also able to bring to them. These are some of the best practices we saw when we were out there in the field that certainly can be used at some of your other companies. And we've seen that range from everything from protection on forklifts to make sure that they're not used to damage equipment all the way to how they're actually doing their COVID-19 programs when people are checking in at the facility to make sure everybody is uh, ready to come into the property. Um, I think that's a benefit that a lot of them are getting that they did not foresee when they came into the project was they are able to see that some of their companies have come up with some fantastic ideas that can be extrapolated across all of them. And they're getting that as a, as an added benefit, we'll say. Um, one of the things that we're talking about with a lot of these private equity firms is how do they go about, uh, you know, putting together their programmatic elements? How are they tracking their risk levels? How are they doing threat management when threats come into one of their businesses? Are they sharing it across businesses? How does that work? And really, you know, how are they making sure that their emergency and incident management, which is a big part of what we're doing with these engagements, are all proper and, you know, extrapolated across all of their entities so that everybody's playing it on the same game here when they're doing their uh, protection of their properties. So we would categorize this as foreseeability, and that may vary by region or by specific site or even type of business. There's always a set of known risk exposures, and that can range from criminal activity if a particularly company or business unit uh, has certain assets that appeal to um, potential offenders. It can also include competitive intelligence um, or, or other actions by adversaries. The other part, though, of threat and risk exposure is knowing what the setting they're in holds for them. It might not be so much criminal, as potential interruptions from severe weather or flooding or incidents that affect neighboring or adjacent companies or structures. And in terms of threat management, emergency management, incident management, training of staff and training of leadership is absolutely critical. This helps individuals become aware of what they might face in a given day in terms of potential interruptions or adversarial concerns. But training at an executive level and at a staff support level also allows for practice in decision-making under duress and decision-making under less than optimal conditions, whether that be a power outage, a communication interruption, or an emerging incident or act of violence at a specific site. Makes sense. One of the things that I've noted, uh, finishing up a couple of these large private equity uh, portfolio reviews, is that 
the end result, a lot of them do have this list, this prioritized list of their largest vulnerabilities. Uh, one of the things that we do right when we walk in and we do our kickoff meeting is we find out what equipment, what software, what whatever they're using is mission critical to the facility's operation and really what they're going to do, uh, what backup plans they have if they don't have that piece of equipment, if they don't have redundancy for that piece of equipment, whatever it might be. And we're finding a lot of the private equity firms might understand what their business is and, and how they're running their business, but they might not understand some of these single point of failures on the security side and on the business continuity side that really could come up and bite them. I'm seeing a lot of benefit given to these private equity firms when they look at that and they understand if we're going to make an investment in all of our continuity of operations here, we need to make sure we have either the ability to back up this equipment that is our only, our single point of failure, or we have the ability to bring in some other version or operate out of one of our other facilities to make this happen. Um, When it comes down to some of the other big takeaways that you've seen in doing these, uh, is there anything that uh, our listeners might find interesting, uh, uh, some of your findings that you've had in your reviews? Yes, it's, um, I think, a testament to our client base in this sector that they have an appetite for looking both at a granular level and at a more macro level at these exposures. So, of course, the primary dividend when we conduct security assessments and evaluations of business units or lines of business is you imbue the staff with a sense of confidence that um, their facility has been reviewed, that their corporate ownership pays attention and cares about them on a safety and security level. But also security enhancements can often lead to lower insurance costs. They can also lead to uh, minimization of claims of negligence. And they provide very, very good justification in the event of litigation or other claims against the company. And that's always the case with uh, doing the risk assessments. I think in this particular case with the private equity firms, they just they compile so many different companies that they are seeing a dramatic benefit when it really comes down to some of that limitation of liability and some of the, the minimization of risk across our portfolio that we historically have not seen them really taking active steps to make sure that they have that in place. Um, we're glad to see it happening, and I think we'll probably see a lot more of it because it makes sense on many levels, and it really does nothing but benefit the private equity group to make sure that their investments are protected and their investments are not a risk to them as a group. Uh, I want to thank you a lot for coming on, John. Any last-minute points you want to give us before we uh, wrap this one up? Yes, uh, a couple of concluding thoughts. We're good at conducting security assessments. And what we often find is that companies that have an appetite for the work product that we deliver will implement our recommendations. But it's prudent to revisit what was applicable in 2016 or 2017 may no longer be applicable four, five, six years later, especially with the advent of pandemic concerns, 
other prevailing business concerns. And at times, not every recommendation has been implemented. It may be scheduled, but it may not yet be there. So whenever possible, to revisit a facility or an operation, and, and some of those can be conducted remotely if there uh, haven't been significant changes in the physical layout or the constitution of a workforce or the occupancy characteristics of a building. A few other quick thoughts. When we obtain the endorsement of senior leadership, when we are endorsed by senior leadership for these initiatives, it carries a lot more weight at the local individual sites that we visit. It's as though there is a significant buy-in and direction to understand the nature of their business, their operations, but also their risk exposures. And this can be as simple as after dark lighting conditions in the parking lot or the chronic failure of a lock on a door that leads someone to feel insecure or at a much larger level, a resilience issue or an integration issue that uh, creates the need for exceptions and daily operations that cause vulnerabilities. The other piece that might be worth mentioning is once a private equity firm has the ability to monitor and manage information from their holdings at more granular levels, particularly in functions that might not normally have reported up to them, from all their diverse holdings, they can track and analyze trends that might lead to business operation interruptions or harm against individuals, things that might never have been able to be tracked or analyzed previously. And this can go across all sectors of their holdings, whether it be a movie theater, a construction site, a healthcare facility, or a food processing plant. So thanks a lot for coming on, John, and thanks to the listeners for tuning in to another one. We'll be back in a month uh, to bring up some more trends in security risk management. Thanks. Thank you.